Okay, how are we doing the wedding? We haven't done this for a while. Let's see. Welcome to our fourth season of, uh, um, what's the name of our podcast? <laughs> We're off to the proper start for us. I know. Right? I believe it's called Pop Medieval. Oh, that's right. Pop Medieval. Okay. I'm hoping to correction on that. Fourth season of Pop Medieval. Let's go. Recorded in our Nerdhaven studios, this is Pop Medieval. With your host, Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina Mack. Discussing the intersection of medieval literature and pop culture on a semi-weekly basis. And now, back to your podcast. What, Nina? What, Doc? Welcome back to the fourth season of Pop Medieval. We're back! Yes, after our summer hiatus, we are back again for more medieval musings and other kinds of inane ramblings. Yep, lots of poppin', lots of medievalin'. We're back. <laughs> We'll do, we'll do lots of pop and not much locking though. That's not, we're not no. going to do much of that. We yeah. don't lock here. We we just keep it popping. Yes. So our listeners will be happy to know, I guess, that our first episode for the new season is going to be about the Rings of Power because faithful listeners will know that we gave a bonus episode a couple weeks ago <laughs> from the previous season, some, some outtakes where you were trying to describe from memory what happened in mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings and it was... Uh, wonderful. I was spot on. <laughs> well, do you, do you want to talk about do you want to talk about your how you prepared now after after that? You were more prepared for this than you I were was. during those outtakes. Yeah, very much so because to prepare for this uh, new Amazon show, The Rings of Power, I went back and I watched the Peter Jackson trilogy. And I didn't just watch the original three. I watched the extended cuts on uh, HBO, HBO Now, HBO Plus, HBO Go. I don't know what the app is called anymore. They've changed the (laughs) names of it so many damn times. But no, I watched it over Labor Day weekend, um, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, which please give me credit. Those are very long extended cuts. I believe the first movie is like three and a half hours long. The second movie is like three hours and 45 minutes long. The third movie clocks in at almost five hours. It is ridiculously long. <laughs> it is horrifyingly short. Uh, I was from my crawling toward the finish line there. I was like, please just go to Valinor, please. And guess what? I know the name of Elf Heaven now. Hey, it's called awesome. Valinor. <laughs> yes, I watched and I paid attention. So I'm a little bit better with names and places. I will forget every now and then because there are so many of them. But I, I, I did, I watched, I had to occasionally stop and turn to Engineer Mike and say, okay, what is going on? Who is this? Please give me a tiny bit of backstory. But I understand some things. I don't have a master's degree in token now, um, like you do and like Engineer Mike and like my best friend, Emily, but I do have a GED in it. So <laughs> I am ready to watch Rings of Power. Well, that's that's pretty good. Now, I will say that I have not watched the theatrical releases since they were in the theaters because as mm-hmm. soon as I get the extended versions, uh, the theatrical releases of The Lord of the Rings to me are as Highlander 2. They cease to exist. And all that exists <laughs> oh. is the extended wow. versions, which are the regular versions. And I consider the theatrical releases the truncated inferior versions because I get good a Lord. mere... I don't know how many hours total, 112 hours of Lord of the Rings in that. And I just can't, I I can't abide that. I I can see that. And I will give the extended cuts 
a lot of credit because there is a lot of exposition that was left out in the theatrical cuts, which I watched before. There are a lot of scenes where the characters are just talking and they're explaining what's going on. And it gives a little bit more insight into something very important to a movie called The Plot. Um, so there there are scenes where Soromon is talking to uh, Grimma Wormtongue. And I'm like, oh, this is why names are slipping out of my mind. Is so upset. And this is why he's evil now. Okay, I get this. And so... I'm very glad that I watched the extended cuts and it was an eye-opening experience and it was a good way to spend a three-day weekend. Will I do this again? No. What? But. How dare you? I have the notes and I can watch the rest of Rings of Power now armed with knowledge. And, you know, while some Tolkien purists might scoff and say, oh, well, that's the Peter Jackson movies. The Rings of Power is very clearly set in the Peter Jackson version. Right. The, yes. When yes, we see Sauron, so. he's clearly the same costume as Sauron we saw him before. This is very much, even though the actors are different, these are very much, it's very much the Peter Jackson Tolkien universe for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's, let's get into Rings of Power before we address the controversy over the show. What is this based on when it comes to the, the Tolkien universe? I understand this is, Based on notes, this is not based on the Cimmerillion. Right. So here's the problem that they had, which I actually think was an opportunity. They didn't actually have the rights to the Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. And so essentially that creates a problem in that they can't, they have to be very careful to only allude to scenes in the Silmarillion, but they can't actually show them. So there are some events that happen that either are changed slightly or just people talk about them in this. Now, I actually think that was an opportunity here. I know some people will disagree with me, but there are obviously a lot of lacuna. There's just big gaps of space. And so if they don't have the rights to the, to this larger history and this larger universe, uh, but they have the right to play inside the sandbox, I think it gives a lot of opportunity to, to have original stories that fit with the world. And I was, I was very, very, very open to that. Uh, but... Whenever I see someone complaining, well, you know, why don't they show this or why don't they show that? Well, it's because they legally could not show this or that other thing. I see. Okay. And I'm glad you used the word opportunity as well, because I, I, I really think that this can and should. When I first saw the trailer for Rings of Power, I, I was not impressed because I had not seen the extended cut versions of, of the Jackson movies. But I I truly do believe that when you have limits, it can open up an entire world of opportunity for a writer. And for us as viewers, we can use our imaginations and we can use this as a way to kind of go along with the writer as the the show goes on as well. I think before watching the show... (laughs) This could have been a wonderful opportunity to see how characters and the world of Token could open up and see what happens. But. Did that happen? <laughs> yes. We will answer that question as we go on. So what we're going to do with this podcast is we are going to dissect what we've seen so far. The show has not aired in its entirety as we record this. We've only seen, you've seen the first five episodes. I've seen the first four. I'm going to watch the fifth after 
we record this. We're going to go one by one. I'm going to read my list of pros. You're going to read your list of pros about the show. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read my list of cons. You're going to read your list of cons. And then we're going to kind of come to our a shared conclusion about the show. What we're not going to do is we're not going to really address the more controversial aspects of the show. And by that, we're not going to dissect the following criticisms of the show, which includes, but not limited to, the ethnicities of the dwarves and the elves, Galadriel being a Mary Sue, or the subject of, I don't want X in my Lord of the Rings, where X equals relevant social topic of today. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. So we're not doing that. We're going to move on. Yeah. And aside from that, I mean, if you want to hear that, those critiques, there are a billion places online that are currently giving you those. Exactly. No, we are going to discuss this, you and I, their own unique criticisms and our critiques starting now. Now, now before before we get into into the details, I just realized we've talked about this a lot and I'm unclear on this. So I'm filled with a hatred for this that uh, <laughs> that if it had come and murdered my family in front of me, I would probably be more forgiving toward it. I, I'm not 100% sure where you are in that, but I think Engineer Mike likes it fine. Is that is that right? Uh, he's, he's nodding. He's just sort he, of fine. Correct. Right? He yeah, finds yeah. it fine. I dislike the show. I don't have the ire for it that you do, probably because I'm, again, I only have a GED in this, and <laughs> you are you are clearly a, a uh, master's holder. I think for myself, I can separate myself emotionally from the show. I can say to myself, this is garbage, but I'm not personally offended by it. And I think that's the difference between you and I. If it were some, if it were another property, and I'm trying to think of something that would personally offend me, I'm sure I'll come up with something as this podcast goes on. I would probably feel a lot stronger. As of right now, I just strongly dislike. I, I have to say, I don't actually don't think for me that's I, it's that I'm personally offended. Uh, I don't think that's it at all. I think it's that I'm professionally obligated to watch it. And if it were a two hour movie, I'm professionally obligated to watch it. I'd be rolling my eyes and mad, but I see it stretched out before me for another month as this torment. And, you know, I mean, there are other things where I can watch it or not watch. I'll watch like half an episode of something and be like, eh, this is not for me. And I don't care. And other people can like it. Here, no, no. It it will follow me. And even if we weren't doing a podcast on it, I get asked so many times about it that I, I just have to watch it. I can't escape it. So for me, to quote Peter Griffin, it insists upon itself. Uh, so it's insisting upon itself in my life. It's the inevitability of it for me. It is my doom. I so. just thought of one. If there was a movie about Edna St. Vincent Millay where it was just... <laughs> absolutely like garbage i i think i would be like absolutely devastated and just not want to have anything to do with it and i would raise the ground on which i saw the movie so yeah well it also depends if there's good versions of things of course because like yeah there's been some really terrible versions of jane austen particularly pride and prejudice for which i have I have a deep love. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know what? There are so many good versions that I'm, I'm cool with that. I can be like, eh, whatever. Whereas yeah. I, are there any, are there any versions, any biographies of Ed, 
uh, of innocent. There are none. Bond. Okay, yeah. But you bring up a really good point as, you know, you and I bond a lot over our shared love of really bad movies. Mm-hmm. So if we find, if we see a really bad movie about Edna St. Vincent Millay and it's really, really good bad, maybe I'll enjoy it. So... And fans of the show will remember, we actually kind of liked the Soviet version of we did. Lord of the Rings. That kind of we weird did. Soviet play version. So Exactly, yeah. So, oh, I don't know. Right. Maybe maybe if this if Rings of Power was that kind of bad, we would enjoy this a little bit more. So, yes, yes. This I is highly know. produced bad. So, anyways, yeah. But let's not start with the bad. We're not haters. No. Well, I am. Yeah. But you're not a hater. So I'm, 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 I'm the storm cloud here. So why don't you start <laughs> off with, why don't we start off with the things we love about this? What do you, what do you okay. like about it? Let, let me go with my pros. The acting in the show is fantastic. I don't want to take that away from the actors. Um, I'm glad they went with unknowns or mm-hmm. actors without major breakout roles before. This allows the viewer to focus on the character, not the presence of the actor. And I was thinking about this because engineer Mike was telling me about this uh, not too long ago. Um, Peter Jackson turned away David Bowie mm-hmm. as Elrond when he was first casting uh, The Lord of the Rings. And I was going to ask you, do you think that was a good idea or a bad idea? Could you imagine today David Bowie, rest in peace, as Elrond instead of Hugo Weaving? I mean, I don't know. It would have had to, yeah. David Bowie would have had to be not the Goblin King from Labyrinth, basically. <laughs> And, and just which, a revival of that character, which I love the goblin. I love Labyrinth yeah. so much. Have we ever mm-hmm. done Labyrinth? We have not, but oh, well, you know, well, but no, put that on our November's maybe to do for November. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. We could spend a whole hour on his cod piece. Anyway, so David. Yes, I can too. <laughs> Dave, Dave, gosh. David <laughs> well, we're off to a good start here in the new season. <laughs> anyway, it, it's hard to say because, so I mean, if you take like Ian McClellan and Christopher Lee. Like, they all both had these real presences before, but mm-hmm. they folded themselves enough into that that when I'm looking at when I'm looking at Saruman, I'm not seeing Christopher Lee, even though, mm-hmm. I mean, he is already a legend by this point. Oh, right? yeah, he was Dracula. Or, yeah. Right, yes. Or when I'm looking at Ian McClellan, I'm really seeing Gandalf at this point. So it mm-hmm. might have been possible for David Boy to kind of fold himself into the role in that way. I don't want to say he couldn't have done it, but it would have been a real challenge for sure. It would mm-hmm. have been a real challenge. So, you know, without seeing like a, a screen test or something, I don't want to say absolutely not, but I would also be wary of it. I think that was wise to be wary of that. Okay. I think all of the actors are doing a wonderful job with what they have to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, no spoilers for my cons list. <laughs> um, the actors playing both dwarves, uh, Disa and Durian the Durin the fourth not Durian (laughs) sorry they're especially good like they are my favorite acting Mm -hmm. pair whenever they're on screen together I'm like wow they have such good chemistry I I just I can't look away the actors playing Nori and Poppy the hobbits they're really good Mm -hmm. I'm not really sold on the actors playing Erendir and Elrond that's not their fault again no spoilers for my cons list but again, they're, the acting on the show is really, really solid. I like that. And then my next pro is there's a map to help me, all, just me, uh, figure out where things are and where everyone is going. And that, that goes back to my criticisms of the Jackson movies where I had no idea where people were most of the time um, or where 
they spent so long at a location. By the time they got back to someone else's storyline, they had moved on, and it was confusing. In Rings of Power, there are overlays of a map, or the establishing shots are of a location with a caption about, you know, this is Valinor, or this is Casa Doom. And, you know, I, I'm like, oh, okay, I know where everyone is now. So that is my second pro. Um, that's it. <laughs> that's the end of my pro list. Um, okay. Okay. So go ahead, Doc. I have some things I, I liked a lot more. So I'll start with the one that you touched on a little bit, which sure. is dwarf culture and particularly the Durin family. Um, mm-hmm. Not just Durin the Fourth and Disa. Their kids aren't really so much characters yet, uh, but their interplay. Right. And there's also some interplay between Durin the Fourth and Durin the Third, his father. Uh, I am very grumpy about the fact they've definitely changed up some things about the dwarves because Mm -hmm. if you're named Durin, you're supposed to be reincarnation of Durin himself. And oh, his father's still alive. Yes, that's not really working right here. (laughs) That's a a weird thing, but I'm willing to forgive it in the same way I'm willing to forgive changes in the Jackson films when they work. In this case, that family dynamic between Durin and his father and Durin and Disa, Mm -hmm. you know, Disa. My biggest complaint about her is her sideburns are way too wispy. I want her <laughs> sideburns to be full Asimov sideburns. That is what she needs. But except for that small, Agreed. that small thing, if the whole thing were only about the Durans and their lives and their adventures, I would be on board. I would be, this is the best thing ever. Let's start um, a petition so, for a spinoff. Yeah. I, uh, listen, if they dropped everything else and just went with them for the rest of it, I, I will eat my words about anything negative about this. Another thing that I really like about it are the return of practical effects for the orcs. Yes. Uh, yes. One Good of the one. big weaknesses for the, for the Hobbit films was the orcs became very, you know, CGI orcish. Yeah. And, and even yeah. worse when you get into the goblins and the Misty Mountains, which are kind of orc, right? It's a kind of an orc clan. Mm-hmm. You can tell the Guillermo del Toro style and I love Guillermo del Toro, but that doesn't fit. And it made the whole thing look kind of cheap and ugly. It looks and, superficial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in this, they've returned to practical effects for the orcs and they look great. In fact, so much so... I'd have to look, but these actually, the orcs might actually be superior to in the original Jackson film, where I thought they were fine. He, I Yeah, I could say probably maybe there have been improvements in practical effects or in makeup effects. So yeah, I, I could say that that wouldn't be far-fetched to say. Yeah, and their armor, like the things they do with their armor and yeah. things are much more developed and individualized, I think. It, it just looks great. Uh, that mm-hmm. that part looks great. The, the other thing that I think they've done, they have fan service in it, but the fan service is very subtle. You know, they cannot show directly things from the Silmarillion or there's lots mm-hmm. of things they cannot directly show. So what do they do? There's statues everywhere or references to things everywhere. There'll be things in the stars or, or yeah. images that you see. And for the real kind of Tolkien nerd, that's there to sit, to allude to something you know, where you'll see a statue of Elrond's father and there's a bird with him. 
there's a part where his mother turns into a bird briefly. And so that's supposed to be his mother, basically. I mean, very kind of deep into the lore kind of thing, which doesn't slow down the storyline. You're looking with like, I didn't know that, right? I Don't you, it's barely noticeable, right? It doesn't slow down the story yeah. at all, but it gives a kind of fun little Where's Waldo game for yeah. the people who are like, man, I really want to see the Silmarillion. They can't show you the Silmarillion, but they can give you little games that that if you're a hardcore fan of the books, they have all these illusions. And I think those are really well done and they don't interfere with. It's done subtly. Yeah, yes. that's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I've said these nice things. But I really, as I said, hate this with a burning hatred. So why don't you go ahead? <laughs> so your pro list was also short as well. Yes. The things I have said, I really, 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 really do love. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's not a lot. I wasn't scraping for those things. I really yeah. love those things. Yeah. Same with, even though my pro list was really short, they came right off the top of my head. And I yeah. do really like. I do really like the things that I said, too. Yes. Unfortunately, our cons lists also came off the top of our head. Yeah, and they're <laughs> and long, much longer. too. Yes. Yeah, and I don't really feel... I don't feel bad naming this. I don't feel like this is... I feel like these are obvious things, too. And uh, so I'm going to start with number one. Number one is the script <laughs> on my cons list. So, And I've got four examples that I want to bring up. I understand that the writers are limited to specific notes, like you said, yeah. and can only hint at the Cimmerillion. But some of the plot points and some of the decisions that the characters make just make no sense. Yeah. So example one, and this was... Again, we, we discussed this after watching the first two episodes, and I'm not going to pick on her like you think I'm going to pick on her. But so Galadriel, 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 I'm not going to roll my R. You're welcome to pick everything. on her as much as you want, by the way. Yeah. From my um, perspective. So she jumps out of the boat and she <laughs> swims the entire length or I don't know how far she swims. She swims a lot. Of the uh, not-yet-sundered sea, as yes. Engineer Mike informed us. Before she's picked up in that shipwreck. I mean, that was a really bad decision that <laughs> yes. she made. Like, I, I'm like, why why even bother taking boats anymore? You know, is this like a superpower that elves have? I'm not saying that this is limited to just Galadriel. And I... I'm, I'm stammering over my words because it's so stupid. <laughs> like she just leap. One yeah. of the, the debates isn't quite the right word, but discussions I've had with some friends is we're trying to figure out, are we supposed to believe that Galadriel could literally have swum across the entire sea? That's as she what basically I'm does. At. Or are yeah. we supposed to believe that she just made a really, really stupid decision? Like, well, I'll jump in the ocean. and I don't know. Maybe something good will happen to me in the next I, 20 minutes before I drown. Right. Like there, it would have made more sense had she seen land or debris or something in the water that she could swim to. But she makes this last minute stupid decision to just like chuck herself out into the sea and do nothing. It's not a stupid decision. It's smart because... Stones look down and uh, boats uh, look up. So that was example one. Example two, and I'm, I'm getting to the hobbits. Now, again, I praise the acting for the hobbits, but uh, I'm going to pick on them right now. If the Harfoot hobbits have a motto about no one getting left behind, <laughs> why do they leave so many hobbits behind? Yes. 
Like they literally read from a book about all the hobbits they left behind. And then at the end they go, no hobbit left behind. And I'm like, you dummies just read a litany (laughs) of your kith and kin. You just chucked behind because they either hurt themselves or they couldn't pull their weight. It doesn't sound like you guys are good people. Yeah, that that really annoyed me. We see that also with sometimes it's it's hard to tell whether it's hypocrisy or just yeah. bad writing because you also see right they, they they explicitly make the point that elves don't have relationships with humans and the only two times it ever happened it went very very badly one of them ending mm-hmm. up with Elrond and yet every major character who's an elf is in some sort of flirty relationship with a human yeah what it violates the own its very same logic that it's presented exactly and speaking of logic let's talk about <laughs> Let's talk about Elrond and Calabrimbor's little, you know, walking journey to Khazad-dûm. Yes. First of all, they walked. They walked without a troop of guards alone. Mm. And Elrond just goes in. He like he turns to Calabrimbor and goes, "Just give me a few days. I'll I'll talk them down." And he just leaves Calabrimbor outside. And what does Calabrimbor do? Does he go home? Or does he just stand outside and wait? Does he get a hotel? Does he get an Airbnb? Like what? What happens there? That made no sense. If the if the listeners could only see Engineer Mike sort of going mad with uh, anger about this, yeah. And, and of course, it gets worse as time goes on because so story time. <laughs> when I was a kid, there was a point in time when I can't remember why, but I was home during the day. And ended up watching soap operas with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And one time we started talking about this and we realized that there are all these different things going on in a soap opera, different different storylines, but yeah. they're operating at a different pace. Yeah. And we decided to try to figure out how much time <laughs> actually go takes place in a year in a soap opera. So we decided to count Christmas to Christmas because they have Christmas. And we decided it was 21 days. Mm-hmm. So something like that. This is like that because we're told, for example, that it it's a one day journey to this place. And by the way, a cow went one day's journey. Why you're letting your cow go a whole day's journey away to graze? I don't know. It's one day's journey to this place. And while this is going on, these other characters are just going across huge swaths of area in a show, which, as you said, they show maps all the time. So they've already yeah. told you this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. So put a pin in that. I want to talk about pacing in a second. Okay. So the next thing I don't like about this show, or the next con, this show looks bad. Like, yes. it looks cheap. Like, I've I've been reading a lot of reviews for this show praising how well the set designs are and the CG and all of that. And I could not help but feel the complete opposite. Like this does not, this show looks like a Thomas Kincaid painting. (laughs) And like, I I have a special hatred for Thomas Kincaid because my mom dragged me into those stupid galleries in the mall all the time (laughs) so she could get Thomas Kincaid puzzles. Like it infuriates me every single time I, I see a mountainous backdrop and I'm like, this looks bad. And this is a billion dollar show. Yes. Okay. So by comparison, if you remember the show Marco Polo on Netflix, which has been long since canceled, it only had two seasons. This show, Rings of Power, costs 
10 times more than Marco Polo. Yes. And Marco Polo looks more expensive. This Marco Polo looks like a billion dollar show. I mean, it has natural lighting. The costumes are gorgeous. I mean, the set design was beautiful. I mean, it, it had actual, I believe it was filmed in actual tents. And it was just, it's beautiful by comparison. And in Rings of Power just looks like actors on green screen. I, I don't know what else to say. You know, as you say this, I regret that when Marco Polo was on, we didn't do it in Pop Medieval. I know, yeah. right? What a lost opportunity. Maybe we can go back. I guess, yeah. I guess we could. Yeah. All right. So let me get into my, my complaints. Sure. As I said, I'm really, really open to them making big changes. You know, really big changes mm-hmm. to the to the story. The changes just have to make sense. So when you talked about pacing, you know, one of the yeah. absurd things, there's a kind of absurd, two absurd moments in the original Peter Jackson trilogy. One is where Gandalf sends Sam and Frodo to the the Prancing Pony. And they're going to be there in a couple of days. And he says, I'll meet you there. And then he rides all the way to Gondor. Yeah. As if he's expected to get there and back. You know, I don't know how fast that horse was, but it's not that fast. Or also, back th- again. also there's this fast travel of the elves suddenly getting to uh, the Battle of Helm's Deep. But we forgive those because they help the pacing, right? They actually right. help the pacing of it. So we're like, okay, yeah, you've done some violence to the story. But it helps the pacing. But the changes I I don't like are the ones that don't make any sense. So, for example, the opening scene of episode one, I stopped one minute and 36 seconds into it because I had to text people because I already hated it so much. A show that I really, really, really wanted to like. And it's because the first scene takes place in Valinor, which, as you said, is kind of elf heaven, right? Yep. (laughs) And apparently it's full of kids who bully one another. That is a problem. Yes. And this, why would anyone want to live there? It's awful right there. It's the only (laughs) scenes we see in Valinor of people being mean. Yeah. And there's all sorts of, there are these kinds of changes like that, that which change the, the spirit of the world. You know, this gets to my overall complaint. The show, people succeed without sacrifice. Often sacrifice is an important part of, Tolkien's themes and of course in my own fiction I hate you know I like I like characters who fail a lot uh Mm -hmm. it makes things interesting yes even Valinor is everyone is terrible in it I have said to some people because of this like I why shouldn't Sauron win I kind of want him I kind of want Morgoth (laughs) to win I mean I don't know why anyone else is any better than than he is they are all awful yeah and so I don't mind that the characters are not perfect when they're not I actually like that I just don't like how terrible they are and I don't see that the bad guys are any worse than the good guys. Even the children mm-hmm. who live in heaven are terrible in this show. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm rooting for Sauron at this point. I'm sad that that this is a prequel, so I know that the characters are not all going to be killed. I do know at least one character is going to be killed by Sauron in this because of we see it happen. And I'm looking forward to going back and watching the scene going, ah, yes. Sauron has gotten his just victory over this this jerk. That's the giant, right? Sauron's the giant. Yes. Actually, the guy who gets killed, uh, Isildur's father, who I've forgotten at the moment. Engineer Mike is shaking his head. Elendil, thank you. Elendil. I'm looking forward to seeing Elendil get killed by Sauron, because at least Sauron gets to kill one of these people. Although Elendil's one of the characters whom I'm not actively rooting against. 
among our supposed heroes. I want them all to die. I just real quick, just so I can cut in. I you're talking about you don't like anyone, and and even the children in heaven are terrible. Yes. I really don't like the hobbits. I I know how you were saying that you were kind of fond of them, but. I don't like them. It really goes back to their whole not leaving people behind. But I don't like Nori, even though I like the actor playing her. I don't like her. I don't like how she was written. Like in that very first scene where she's introduced as being very protective of the children. And like she calls them back in after she detects the wolf. And so she's introduced as a protector, as someone who is very cautious. And then by the end of the episode, no, she is throwing caution to the wind and she is breaking the the rules by hiding that giant and then she's folding that giant into the whole hobbit community like it i'm i'm not quite sure why the the writers chose to do that if i were writing her as a character she would start off as being rebellious or start off as being someone who didn't care about being overly cautious and then that would establish her as someone who would do something like that i agree with you about her character and also about the actress. I actually think that the gulf between the quality of how a character is written and the quality of the mm -hmm. acting, I think she is the standout for me. Mm -hmm. I like the Durans, of course, but I also think they're better written. Uh, whereas yeah. her, I think she's very poorly written, but I think she's a very compelling screen presence. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not interested in the story very much. But I don't feel like she's sucking the charisma from the screen like some of the other <laughs> actors do. I, I know we, we don't agree on yeah. the quality of the acting, but certainly I, I really like her as an actress. Uh, I actually, yeah, so much so that I actually went and looked her up to see other things she's been in. And that's the only actor on there that I've done that for. Uh, yeah. To see like, oh, I might want to see her in other things. And so anyway, I'm, I kind of find myself actively rooting against the people who I'm supposed to be in favor of. Uh, that might be my own evil, but I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, the other thing, and this gets to the to it looking cheap, it's not just the kind of the CG effects. It's the costumes really, really great on me. Mm -hmm. They look like they were purchased from a Halloween store. There's no... I agree with that. Yes. Yeah. There's no layering to them. There's no... They look like people wearing costumes. They don't look like they were worn before. So when we first see the Numenorians mm -hmm. on their boats... They're out there at sea. They've been out there at sea. They're all perfectly clean and not in any way wet. And so I can understand where if you want to show elves in some sort of elf uh, setting as being per perfectly coiffed and manicured and everything perfectly clean, I guess I can buy that. I, I would also, you know, there's a distinction, for example, the way that the elves look when they're in Lothorin itself versus the way they are when they're out even hunting. They look a lot more like they've been out in the field and we don't see that at all here. And then also the costumes, it's not just that they look cheap, but they often don't make any sense. So the first time, I think the first time you see adult Galadriel, they're scaling this ice cliff because they're looking for Sauron's forces, which haven't been seen for centuries at yeah. this point. They're climbing it with knives and she's wearing armor on her hands. And I'm thinking, why? That doesn't make any sense. If you're climbing a mountain... The last thing you would do would be that. You would yeah. have leather, if anything, right? If, and it's just this kind of thing where often what they're wearing seems to have no bearing on the situation that they're in. You know, why mm -hmm. are the Numenorean sailors, when they pick them up, all decked out in armor while they're just yeah. riding on their boat? They have no reason to think they're going to be in any kind of combat that day. 
I don't know. They just are. They should be in their dress blues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so the costumes don't just look cheap, but they also look ill-considered to me. It looks like no one yeah. thought about what would this person actually be wearing or what would they actually be doing in this circumstance. Yeah. I think the episode three where Galadriel... She's in the blue dress. I was happy for her to get out of her wet nightgown that she was in for two episodes, but I didn't quite understand why she was suddenly in a dress. At that point, like they, she has been established as being a warrior, mm -hmm. as being someone who is not with the whole high elf society just yet. I, I mean, and by high elf, I don't mean like her species. I'm sorry, I don't know quite the the word for her breed. Her engineer Mike is laughing at me. I, I'm sorry, I don't quite. I'm I only have a GED in this. <laughs> She's one of the Noldor. Yeah, the Noldor. Okay, I don't I don't know what any of that means. Okay, she's someone who wears pants. That's what I'm trying to say. And then suddenly she's in a dress. That that was kind of strange to me. And the the wet nightgown that she was wearing just happened to be part of the costume underneath her armor when she was on the boat. So that made sense. But yeah. then suddenly she was given a blue dress to wear in Numenor. Yeah. I thought that was poor plan. It was just, it looked like an excuse to get the actress in a dress. I didn't particularly care for that. Let's make this pretty woman as pretty as possible. Yeah. Let's make this pretty actress a pretty character. I didn't like that. That that made me really squicky. I think, what's the elf's name in the in the secondary plot? Elendil? No, no, that's not right. Arundel. Uh, Arendor. Arendor. Arondir. Arondir. His love interest, whose name I have never even bothered to look up. Bronwyn. Bronwyn? Okay, well actually that's yeah. a that's a that's an Anglo-Saxon name. Yeah. She spends a lot of time at Ulta, this this woman does, for a peasant. Like her hair is always perfectly quaffed. Her eyeliner yeah. is always on point. Her lipstick is I'm like, what what is what is this Ulta saleswoman doing out in this as a peasant in this medieval village? I had a bunch of notes typed up on her and none of them were very nice and I just deleted them. And it was not for, it was not because of the actress. It was because of how I feel like they treated the actress to, again, this is not the time or place to <laughs> go in about how that character was dressed and how she was um, made up. So no, how, yeah. what she was wearing did not, did not look like how a, a farmhand would wear and i did also did not like how bronwyn was as old as her son they're like the <laughs> same age yes again this is hollywood sexism but anyway let's move on yeah go ahead uh, <laughs> next point well she is with an elf who's like you know an old man for her so yeah yeah anyway yeah. so the the last kind of of the major i have lots of complaints but i'll i'll end with this one because this is really great on me is it's this part of the script it's the dialogue Whenever they're trying to sound like they're Tolkien, if they're not either directly adapting something that he has to say, it sounds so WB Network stupid. Uh, it is just <laughs> the worst. So they're trying to figure out a slogan for the Numenorians, this great and my, one of the greatest peoples, the people group from whom the great kings of, of men are going to come from. And they decide yeah. the proper slogan for them is the sea is always right. Really? That's yeah, what you came up with? That was uh, that was the final thing after workshopping it. You said their slogan should be the sea is always right. It's sad and pathetic. That's the cringe emoji right there. That's this face. <laughs> yes, there's the 
There's a tempest in me. Or Oh yeah, I didn't like that line. I caught that one. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? Or or this is this gets to your the, the actors having to deal with terrible writing. Galadriel says uh, something. She says, You haven't seen to Elrond. You haven't seen what I've seen. And Elrond, of course, has seen a whole lot at this point. They're both very old, right? And he I forget mm-hmm. what his response is, and she just is she just repeats it. You haven't seen what I've seen. And unless they're doing a whole ton that... of different backstory for her character, there isn't so much more that she's seen than he has. He's certainly seen his mortal brother die, for example. That was Galadriel to uh, Elrond? To Elrond, yes. Okay. Right. Well, I mean, you could argue that Galadriel is, she's a warrior. She's got a lot of battle experience. I don't know. Does Elrond? Well, Elrond, Elrond is not uh, depicted here as being a warrior. But Elrond, no. you know, he is, this is He's certainly kind of made clear. He has a, he had a, a brother, a twin brother. Yeah. Because of all the stuff with their parents who become literally a star and a bird, right? Uh, different points. Yeah. So he's seen some stuff. He and his brother each have to choose whether they want to be mortal or elf. His brother chooses mortal. He chooses elf. So his brother has died. Uh, so her, yeah. her like, my brother died. Well, my brother died too. In a way that elves don't ever see their brothers die. My brother literally died of old age. So aside from just saying the line and it it being self-indulgent line for, for the character, it's also just why couldn't she have come up with you know, it, why couldn't they have come up with a better line for that character? You know, you've seen death come to a mortal. I've seen it come to an immortal or something like this. Uh, some, yeah. some, anything, you know, maybe she could mention, I can't remember if she was in the kinslaying that happens. I, I think she's not. Engineer Mike is nodding that she is in it. Okay, she was in the kinslaying, so she could talk about that. You know, about the the genocide among the elves or this kind of thing. There's lots of things that could have been referenced, but instead it's just a kind of like, I'm going to mic drop on you with this vague statement. And and it's not just that line. Throughout this, I accepted the awful mantras that the Harfoots have mm-hmm. because they're supposed to be a simple people. And maybe the dwarves, but I actually don't accept that either. But the Numenorians and the elves are supposed to be this kind of noble people who should speak like they're in a medieval romance and they don't they speak like the placeholder dialogue in the first draft of a hollywood script that someone says a billion dollars let's just run with this this is a problem with a lot of modern writing whether it's in books or tv shows or movies you've got a lot of writers who think that every single scene has to end on a right a mic drop moment yeah like you're talking about, and it's bad writing. It's, you can't just let characters have a conversation. You can't just let bits of information be exchanged and a scene end. There has to be some zinger. There has to be some uh, roast of another character. I'll catch myself doing this sometimes just because I watch a lot of television and watch a lot of movies. And and I catch this in the edits, of course. You're you're supposed to catch this in in edits. But uh, I I see where you're going and I see how it can be fixed. And it's unfortunate that these things, they made it through the edit. At risk of bringing up a reference that Andrew Mike might want to cut. uh, You know, there's a subreddit called That Happened. Oh, yeah. Yes. and And the dialogue in this... And feels like claps. it's fodder for the that happened, you know. And yeah. then I said to him, how dare you? And everyone stood up and applauded me. I mean, this is how the dialogue is written kind of throughout. Yeah. 
All right, well, we've hated on this enough. Why don't we talk about our our recommendations? Sure, go ahead with yours. Let me start off with, with mine here. What I want to recommend is actually an extended, it's often published as a book, but really short. Uh, it's really kind of a longish essay, I guess three longish essays combined, called On Fairy Stories. And it's about Ooh, what fairy okay. stories are about. And he makes arguments for essentially fairy tale, what we think of fairy tales, or the kinds of things he's trying to do, what their function should be. And so, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm cool with them adapting this in some other way. But one of the things that my, my kind of big, broader, sort of chin-strokey, tweed-wearing complaints uh, is that it really violates the the ideas that he has in on fairy stories and so if you're at all interested in tolkien's thoughts about the kind of meta ideas about what the purpose of these stories are i recommend reading it like i said it's not really fully book length although it's occasionally published as a book Mm -hmm. because tolkien but i will have a link in the show notes to a place you can find a pdf of that it also shouldn't be too hard to find it in uh you know used bookstores or, or that kind of place as well so on fairy stories and there's a hyphen between fairy and stories in that Okay, excellent. Sounds like a lot of fun. What is your recommendation for us, Nina? All right, I have already talked about it, but I am definitely recommending the extended cuts of all three Peter Jackson movies. And I I did joke about it earlier, but I do think they are worth a watch for everyone, not just for the token geeks, not again, not just for those who have extended multiple degrees in tokenology, but for the beginners as well. Even if you don't have an engineer mic sitting next to you explaining things every couple of minutes so you understand them. Simply because it is good to go back and see where all of this began. And I know there were token adaptations, Lord of the Rings adaptations before this. We covered a couple of them. But it's good to get a feel for special effects, for scripts, for acting before Rings of Power. And it was interesting to see forced perspective. Like, I don't believe that forced perspective aged very well in, in these movies. Um, it was good at the time. I think it was a really good trick. And, and uh, Peter Jackson, as you and I know, and as Engineer Mike knows, he earned his flowers from making very cheap horror movies, yes. which often included camera tricks like forced perspective and really inexpensive special effects and, and blood and all that gory stuff. But forced perspective doesn't, really work anymore because i was getting frustrated that i couldn't see all of gimli like, oh, yeah. like john reese davies he was never on the screen with the other actors and i was like where is he why can't i see him and it was that was irritating i, I was noticing that throughout the uh, 15 hours that i was watching these <laughs> movies but also just reading through the movie trivia of all of these movies when we were talking about david bowie as elrond so you know that one of the actors who was uh, sent the script was Sean Connery for the role of Gandalf, right? Yes, yes. Another actor, and this is even better, I think, another actor who was sent the script and who was offered the role was Sam Neill from Jurassic Park for Gandalf. Oh. And he turned it down because it conflicted with his schedule for Jurassic Park 3. I... Struggled to see Sam Neill as <laughs> Gandalf. I think he could, he's weird enough. I think he could actually maybe have pulled off an elf, to be honest. Uh, he's not tall and, and willowy in that way, but. I think he could pull off Elrond, but I mean, he turned down Gandalf 
and for Jurassic Park 3, all I can say to that is, Alan. <laughs> Which, if you get that reference, if you saw Jurassic Park 3, you understand that reference. So I think this really calls for you to write a spec script for a mashup. Already where, on it. Yeah, okay. Wherein, actually, it turns out that Gandalf, as a Meyer, it would be possible, is also Sam Neill whose character I've forgotten. Alan Grant. Alan Grant. Yes, Alan Grant. In the That they're really <laughs> the same person. I think that's likely. I'm writing fan fiction where Alan Grant goes to Isla Nubar and he stumbles upon Gandalf, who's actually creating the dinosaurs. And the dinosaurs are, are coming out of the mud and they're wreaking havoc and looking for the ring. It sounds no dumber than what we have. There is one problem with mm. your spec script, though. I am five episodes deep in Rings of Power, which I think will have nine episodes. Is that right for the first season? I think so, And yeah. so far, not a ring to be seen. This is definitely a problem. Uh, we will address that. <laughs> no, I hope we won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we've, we've hated on this uh, for long enough. It uh, really brought out the ire in me. So do you have anything else for the good of the cause, Nina, before we go? I do. The last thing I want to say is the joke is on us because the very first episode of this show pulled in 25 million viewers, according to Amazon's metrics. So even though we are hating on it slash disliking on it, and though Amazon had to turn off its ratings mm -hmm. for the first three days, people are watching it. And whether they're liking it or not, tuning in to hate watch it or dislike watch it, as I'm doing, it's translating into viewership. So, you know, it is what it is. Well, before we go, I just want to make one final plea to Amazon. Nina and I are willing to work at reasonable rates for writing the scripts for season two. And I guarantee you they will be better than these. Guaranteed. There will be dinosaurs, though. <laughs> From the first age, they're still around, I guess. Agreed. West through Hall, Nina. West through Hall, Doc. Pop Medieval was recorded in our Nerdhaven studio. Your hosts are Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McNamara. Our audio engineer is Engineer Mike. Our music is courtesy of Dr. John Jinren. For more information, visit our website at profawesome.com slash popmedieval. Or visit our Discord channel using the invite link in the description of this episode. Thank you for listening.